Welcome to Wellbeing. My name is Riley Taylor. We are told that the Christmas season should be one of the most happiest times of the year. For most of us, it is. Sadly, there is a percentage that this is not the case. Today I'll be discussing aspects of this. According to the National Institute of Health, the Christmas season is often the time of the year that people experience a high incidence of depression. Hospitals and police report high numbers of suicide and attempted suicide. Mental health professionals report a significant increase in patients complaining about being depressed. Today we are talking to Dr. Peggy Kern, Senior Lecturer in the Centre for Positive Psychology at the University of Melbourne, who can help us understand how to turn our feelings into a more positive direction. Good afternoon, Dr. Kern. Good afternoon. It's a pleasure to join you. Thank you. Why do people become depressed this time of the year? That's a, that's a great question. And... One, that for different people, it's often different things that might trigger it. In many ways, we have so many pressures around us that are saying, this is a happy time, we have families coming together, there's all of this excitement and good stuff, and yet for others, it can actually be a very lonely time. If you've, anyone who's lost any, anyone, at times that can be a real bringing up memories of that person and not having them there. There can be those who feel others have people and I don't have people, and that can give a real sense of loss. There's also the sense that we keep ourselves really busy during the holidays, and oftentimes there's more and more activities and uh, buying gifts, spending time with people, and those can be good things, but they can also overwhelm us as well um, and become almost exhausting such that it just becomes too much. So in some ways there can be the not having anyone. In other ways, making our lives really busy and whatnot can, can lead to all sorts of feelings as well. Um, there's also uh, things like our physical habits. Oftentimes we might not be as good about eating right. Uh, we might drink too much and, and some of these other habits that those can impact how we feel as well. Um, and s these are just a few of the things that can actually trigger uh, feelings of sadness or depression during the holidays. What are some tips to avoid holidays depression triggers? The one thing is knowing, identifying what your triggers are. If you recognize that you're feeling sad or you're feeling a sense of, de of depression, um, and depression is really where you have this extended sense of loneliness. Um, you, you might be overeating or undereating, not hungry at all, um, can't sleep, or you're sleeping all the time. Um, so these can be some different signs of it. And so if you're really feeling this way for an extended period of time, it's helpful to stop and think about what are some things that might actually be triggering this. When is it that I actually feel worse and when am I actually feeling better? If we can identify anything that's there, then perhaps those are ways that we can start to take steps to deal with it. Um, oftentimes we might actually feel really sad and actually there's so much stuff going on around us that those are actually helping us not feel well. And so thinking about what's in our environment and, and how we're interacting with others or not. So, um, so to avoid, so, so a first thing is, is kind of identifying what might be triggering some of this. 
And then we can actually start to take steps to maybe change our, our, our situation, change what we're doing, um, and take some active steps to help ourselves feel better. How can people recognize the early symptoms of depression in a person? So you said yeah. sadness is one, but what's another? Yeah, one? sadness is one. Uh, those Sometimes those who are actually suffering from depression will hide it from others, especially loved ones, because they don't want to cause suffering for them. Um, recognizing any changes in behavior, so if they're withdrawing much more than, than usual and not wanting to talk and not wanting to engage, that might be a sign that they might be struggling a bit um, or if they're overcompensating in some way. And I wouldn't take this to start labeling the person like, oh, you might be depressed, because I think we can jump to that too quickly. But that can be a time to say, hey, I'm just noticing that you don't seem to be acting as normal. Is anything up, or would you like to talk anything? Um, so just giving them a space to kind of share, are you okay, you know, and just checking in with them if you notice anything. How are families affected when living with somebody with mental illness? So, so mental illness, it happens to a, person, to a person, but it really affects the person and everyone around them. Families are very much affected by someone struggling with mental illness. On the one hand, they, want, they feel bad for the person and they want to fix them, but they don't really know what to do. And the person might actually not want to be a burden to their family, but at the same time, everything is a struggle. Um, and so it can cause a lot of challenges for those who are trying to support someone. Um, you might give suggestions and then they don't follow it and um, or um, thinking, why can't they just sort of snap out of it? Um, oftentimes, if you're struggling with a lot of this, you, it, it takes time and you can't just snap out of it. Um, but that can be a struggle as you're watching that person uh, really suffer in many ways. If a carer is looking after someone that is depressed, should the carer be getting professional guidance from somebody that understands that kind of field? Yeah, so, so a lot of it depends on the level of severity. So if you're just noticing that the person might not be acting normally and something might be up, some of those early signs, if you can catch it then and just kind of be a friend that walks alongside of them, then we might not actually get to some of those more severe levels. If it is a point where the person for an extended period of time really is struggling, that's a great time to, to ask if they might want to go and, and seek, seek medical care. Um, there's nothing wrong with going and talking to a therapist or a doctor or somebody that might just be able to check things out. And also for carers, it's really important um, to get support as well, whether it's other friends, whether it's um, a psychologist or anyone. It can be hard to be a carer, and so making sure you take care of yourself becomes very, very important. What are some techniques that people can self-help if they notice they are becoming depressed? Yeah, so um, and some of the research that we're doing in the area of what's called positive psychology, so we're, we're looking at not just mental illness but well-being, um, and we're actually learning some strategies there that can be useful even if there are signs of, of depression or sadness there. Um, these things can be simple little habits um, that try to take us out of this negative mentality and move us to a more productive place. 
when we're feeling really sad, it can actually be a sign that just something's wrong. And maybe I just need to shift my thinking or shift some of the things that I'm doing in a more productive way. So one example is uh, each day uh, doing, something, doing something called hunt for the good stuff or kind of what went well. At the end of the day, kind of think about what is one good thing or a couple good things that happened today. A care might actually want or other family members might want to have a conversation each day and think about some of the good things that went on. We have this bias where we often focus on the negative, and, and when you're feeling sad, you can actually get very sucked up into that and thinking about everything that's going wrong, and that can really give a pretty hopeless picture. And so pulling out and thinking about, okay, what are some of the good things that are there um, and really focusing on those. A huge thing is connecting with others. Um, other people really do matter. And not being afraid to let people know, you know, I'm struggling right now, um, and I'd appreciate a bit of support. That, that can be really, really hard to say, um, but it can be really, really useful. Um, now, the challenge there is oftentimes you don't really want people to fix you, um, but just to kind of walk aside, alongside you. So if you, if you can have any friends there that you can really turn to, that can be a big help. And then also little simple habits, even physical things, uh, uh, going for a walk, uh, getting a little bit of activity. So oftentimes with depression, you don't want to do anything. You just kind of want to shut down and sleep or, or lay on the couch. That's a good time to just get yourself moving. And those first steps can be really hard, but just doing a little bit of that action can help you start to feel better. We do see physical activities really it actually can help with feelings of depression. Um, and so some of these simple things of just taking care of yourself, even if you don't want to, that can actually help you out. Um, and uh, just the other thing is thinking about what are some simple things that make you feel good. Um, and that's different for other people. Maybe it's uh, having a piece of chocolate and really enjoying that chocolate, not just eating but enjoying it. Uh, maybe it's putting some flowers in the house. Maybe it's, it's watching a funny movie. Um, maybe it's a bubble bath or any of these things that just make you feel good and doing some of those things to kind of buffer yourself up as you get through this. A good friend of mine always tells me to think positive and to never think negative because negativity is a waste of your time. Now, something I question, can you have a balance between positivity and negativity? There definitely should be, and that's a, a misconception that, especially if you're struggling a bit, is actually very hurtful. I don't want someone to just say, you know, just smile, it'll all be better. That actually is, feels rather insincere because, you know, the, some of those negative feelings are there for a reason, and they're very much a part of us. Um, the, the challenge is when we get really stuck in the negative, and that's all we can really focus on. There really is balance, you know, having a bit of both is really a part of, of the whole human experience. I love the movie Inside Out. Um, this really captures it so well. Um, if, you've, if you haven't seen it, I really encourage you to check it out. It really brings out the value of different emotions and that it's actually the blend of them together that is actually the full life. Um, and so I think sometimes we're, we're actually very quick to hide our negative emotions and say, oh, that's not okay. 
but there is a place for it, um, especially if you've had you know bad news or anything that's happening. Acknowledging that um, really is a good thing. How can people cope with loneliness during the Christmas season? The loneliness can, is certainly a, a big thing during the Christmas season, and I think it is a large part of why people will feel depressed oftentimes in the holiday time. Um, in many ways, it's a time of families getting together and um, all sorts of people, and yet if you don't have people there, that's a really hard place to be. Um, if you can connect with any friends um, who actually might not have families themselves, you know, especially those who might have families living abroad, um, identifying some different groups so that you can actually get out and be social, even going for a walk. People are, uh, there's a lot of people out uh, during, the, during the summertime, and so getting out there and, and uh, just seeing people who are out there, and don't be on your phone. Um, a common thing that we do is we go outside and then we just look at our phones, and so we've disengaged with people. Actually put that phone down and make eye contact with people. Um, and uh, it, it can be hard work when, when what we want to do is actually just uh, withdraw from people. Um, but that can help us get through some of those areas of loneliness. Another thing is um, doing things for other people. Um, so when we feel lonely, we're actually uh, withdrawn within ourselves. And so sometimes actually reaching out to other people and doing good things for them, even simple things, actually can make you feel better because you're contributing to others. You commented that people shouldn't be on their phones. A question I would like to ask is, is social media negative? That's a very good question, and the research goes both directions. And so there are both positives and negatives of social media. Um, in, many, in some ways, it allows us to connect with others. Um, I, I can stay with, in touch with people all around the world and those that I hadn't heard from, from years and find out what's going on. Um, at the same time, it can actually undermine some of our real connections. Um, and we, oftentimes in social media, there can be a tendency to put forth an image. Um, and so you, can, you kind of put forth your best self. Not everyone does, but many people do. Um, and we have seen uh, various incidences where um, young people might be kind of managing their profile and they're putting out their best self, but they also don't see that others are doing the same thing. And so it can give this very, well, I'm struggling, but everyone else is doing fine. Well, actually, that might be an image. Um, and so that can actually be kind of negative on our self-esteem as we're comparing ourselves to others. But it might not be a real, a real realistic look at some of the things that they're struggling with. There's also the aspect of how close are we actually connecting with others. Um, things like Facebook and some of the other things, you can have more and more friends, but how many of those do you actually know what's really going on with them? How many of them could you call up whenever you need them and just have a talk? Um, and so it's really important to have some of those real close connections with um, the people that you know at that deeper level. Um, and. Uh, so there can be both the pluses and minuses of it. it. It takes a lot of our time and energy. There can be this real fear of missing out, but are we actually missing out on the rest of life uh, by spending our time there? 
In your article titled "How Gender Shapes Our Facebook Chats," you mentioned the use of language. How important is the way we speak to those who are suffering from depression? Yeah. So, and in that article, what we were doing is we were looking at what we can learn about people through the words that they 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 post.、Um, and we actually, you can pick up some things like depression or sadness in the way that people are talking.、Um, When we, when you actually, our language can reveal some of our deeper thoughts and and feelings about things. Oftentimes, when we're not even realizing it, so we might just put something down, and it actually is con- conveying part of who we are, or at least part of how people are going to see me.、Um, and and so the words that we use. Are they more positive in nature? Are they more negative in nature? What are some of the underlying messages that are there?、Um, those can actually get back into the way I'm thinking about myself as well.、Um, now, if I actually purposely change my language, will that help? We don't know that at this point.、Um, it's something that we'll be trialing in the future.、Um, but it is. We do see in schools and whatnot that schools that. Purposely start shifting some of the language that they use can actually help create a more positive climate and start changing the ways that students and teachers think about themselves and relate to each other.、Um, so words really are powerful, and it might be valuable to think about what's the language that I'm using and how that might how, what's that saying about me. Firstly, and how might that be affecting how I'm thinking about myself and perceiving my world. Is it helpful to use positive self-reinforcement when suffering from depression? It, it can be beneficial to use positive self-reinforcement.、Um, I think you know, especially those that sort of moving yourself to action and cheering yourself on, being your own cheerleader, and kind of giving some of that self-talk. Of, I mean, we we oftentimes have the negative self-talk of everything you're doing wrong, things that aren't working. And so, kind of giving yourself those positive、uh, pep talks can be beneficial.、Um, this, so, positive reinforcement, doing some of you know, rewarding yourself for small steps. So maybe set some really small goals.、Um, and if if you're struggling a bit, that might not, might just be kind of getting up each day and rewarding yourself in some way can be a way to actually start moving yourself towards achieving more. The caveat of that is it's not going to work for everyone,、um, and so、um, it's something to try and wait and kind of use to try to motivate yourself. But if it's not working, that's not necessarily that's not something wrong with you. It's just something that might not be working with you. Is it possible that people who are depressed use social media to fill a void, rather than go to a social function at Christmas? It's quite possible.、Um, we do, and, and so in some ways, you get you kind of get different types of people on on things like Facebook and whatnot,、um, which tend to cluster together. So you have people who are giving a very positive face and have all of those more positive styles, and then you have others that they're drawn to it, and、um, you can actually get entire kind of networks、um, that people are kind of.、Uh, Complaining about life together,、um, and in some ways filling that void, but not in a productive manner. So in ways that kind of bring everybody down, as opposed to lifting up. It can also be a way to、um, 
one thing we do see with depression is even as those who are struggling really need social support, they need people there, there's a tendency to withdraw as well. Um, and being online, is, is, it can easily suck away so much time, whether it's social media or gaming or other things that um, really allows you to withdraw and not actually build some of those social, social connections that really could be so helpful. Can you tell us a little bit about the Center for Positive Psychology? Yeah, so uh, Center for Positive Psychology is, is part of the Melbourne Graduate School of Education at the University of Melbourne. Um, we've been around a couple of years now, a great, uh, great and growing group of academics, uh, teachers, researchers, um, students, and we're doing a lot of research around um, well-being in students, in schools, um, and in communities more generally. So we're really trying to understand what is well-being, um, how can we measure it, and what are ways that we can build it um, at both individual levels and then uh, at larger levels within organizations or, or across the community. Um, we have all sorts of research going on, everything from um, some work on evaluating some of the positive psychology work that's going on in schools. Um, some of my work is looking at language and what we can understand about people and how we might be able to use that, um, both for tracking and perhaps shifting climates in schools. Um, there's work going on around mindfulness um, and about uh, strength-based parenting. Um, and we're doing some work around uh, looking at broader systems and how we might be able to affect change. It's just a few of the many projects that are going on at the center. You said you were doing some research to what well-being is. So what is well-being? Yeah, so that's a great question. And if you ask different people, everyone will give you a different answer. So well-being means different things to different people. Um, there are some different theories that kind of put together what well-being is. Um, what we do see is that there's multiple dimensions to well-being. So it includes things like how you're feeling and how you're functioning as well. Um, and so one of my favorite definitions is feeling good and functioning well in life. Um, and so we can think about how you're feeling uh, mentally. Um, we can think about how good your relationships are. Do you have a sense of meaning or purpose in your life? How engaged are you in things? Um, are you kind of bored with life or are you really engaged with it? Um, do you have a sense each day that you can actually, uh, you're competent, um, that you can do the things that, that you need to do, or is everything really overwhelming? Um, and, and we can also think about your physical health as well. Are you feeling good and feeling strong and able, or are you really kind of tired and really uh, struggling a lot each day? Um, so there's lots of different definitions you can think about. For me, what would it mean to really be feeling good and functioning well? What is the system's science, strengths, and weaknesses? Ah, yeah. So, so some of our, our work is looking at what's, what we're calling positive system science. And um, so system science is an entire field that looks at... Uh, more complex associations amongst things. It considers things like how we're related to each other as people and how we impact each other. Um, it considers things um, like 
uh, the boundaries of a system, and also things like unintended consequences of, of different actions. Um, so what we're doing with some of the system stuff is thinking about uh, how can we actually, so positive psychology, a lot of what it's done is really focused on individuals. And so with the system stuff, we're thinking about, you know, what does that look like at a larger scale level? Um, when we bring in a lot of the complexity of different people living together, uh, different communities and all of the complexities that's there, even the influence of the environment as well. So it's actually giving us a more complex but probably a more realistic perspective of what influences well-being and uh, the ability to identify kind of what are the best places that we might want to intervene to actually be as effective as possible. Now, some of the, limit, some of the negatives of that is that that's a much more complex picture, and it's harder to study, it's harder to understand. So it's an open area of research that we're really working on. Does the Southern and Northern Hemisphere trend the same rate of depression at Christmas? Yeah, I'm not sure the statistics on that. I would, it would make sense to me just from my observations of I'm from America and then I've been living here in Australia. And there, there really is a very different feel to it being summertime versus uh, cold and gray and wintertime. People are, tend to be more withdrawn in the States because you don't really want to go out. Whereas as when it's, it's in some of your summer climates, it's much easier to go out and go to a Barbie or connect with other people. I'm not sure of the rates of it, but um, it'd be interesting to look at that. Where can people find information of how to turn their feelings into a more positive direction? So there's a lot of different resources that are available online. Um, a few great resources. Um, uh, this past, last week was through the Australian Psychological Society was Psych Week. Um, and through that, they actually focused on uh, well-being and thinking about all sorts of strategies. Um, so through that, if you go to compassforlife.org.au, there's some great resources there, including a couple measures you can take, uh, different videos and things like that. If you're feeling down at all, Beyond Blue is, uh, is a really great resource. Uh, it's an organization. They have all sorts of tools and resources and ways to get connected and whatnot. So that's beyondblue.org.au, I believe. Um, and then also Mindroom is another great resource here uh, in uh, Victoria. Um, and uh, just Google Mindroom. They would have some other things for you as well. Today I was talking to Dr. Peggy Kern, Senior Lecturer in the Centre for Positive Psychology at the University of Melbourne, discussing how to maintain positive psychology during the festive season. Thank you for listening to Wellbeing. I'm Riley Taylor, and from all of us, we wish you well. <laughs>